0: The Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9:30 a.m. and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you and to be with you this morning as we gather and worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. As you hear again the good news this morning, I invite you. To imagine that you are there among those early disciples. Listen for what is said, watch what's happening, and discover how what you hear and what you see gives you insight into what's going on in the hearts and in the minds of those first disciples. I'm reading from John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now the gospel accounts don't tell us anything about what the disciples have been going through on the Saturday before this Sunday, that Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's a day of silence in Scripture. But we can imagine that the darkness of that Good Friday lingered with them, was heavy on their hearts during that Sabbath. That Sabbath, that Saturday, was the very first one that they had celebrated since they had come to meet Jesus without him living among them, teaching them, guiding them, celebrating with them. It must have been a gloomy, disorienting Sabbath. And it seems like at least for some of them, as holy as the Sabbath one, this part- was, this particular Sabbath must have been just a day that was an interruption more than anything else, a day that got in the way of the duties they felt called to perform We're told in Scripture that on Good Friday, the the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were in a hurry to get his body down from the cross before the sun set and the Sabbath began. And now, on that Saturday and into Saturday night, they were just waiting, waiting for sunrise so they could go back and finish the preparations of his body for burial. They were stuck in a holding pattern. But things changed fast that early Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene, whom Scripture tells us was a woman from whom Jesus had cast out seven, seven demons, who was among those women who had followed Jesus faithfully and closely from Galilee into Jerusalem, came running to Peter to let him know she had been to the tomb and that the stone had been rolled away. Suspecting foul play, Mary, Peter, and an unnamed disciple who was almost certainly John, the Gospel's author, hurried breathlessly to the tomb to see for themselves what was going on. And what they discovered left them bewildered. The wrappings that had been used to cover Jesus' body were still there, but Jesus himself was nowhere to be found. Peter and the other disciple headed back to let the others know what was going on, but Mary remained at the tomb, lingering, distraught. And as she went back to look into the tomb for herself, she saw two angels. But we can tell from, from her rather matter-of-fact interaction with them, she didn't recognize that they were actually heavenly beings. Likewise, when she encountered Jesus himself, she somehow assumed that he was the gardener. And we get the sense that Mary's eyes were so filled with tears, her heart so filled with grief, she couldn't see clearly. She couldn't think Clearly, she was at her wits end that morning. She just wanted to know, where can I find Jesus? And then with one word from her risen Savior, everything changed for her. Mary, she heard her teacher say. That one word, her own name, somehow cut through the haze of her grief, broke through her disorientation, It not only brought her back to her senses, but it actually ushered in a whole new reality for this one who was grief-stricken, longing for her teacher, her friend, her master, her savior. That one word brought her into a, a brand new and too wonderful to be true reality. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now we read from other Gospel accounts that describe that morning that Jesus actually fell at Jesus' feet, clasped his ankles in worship and adoration. This is why Jesus is asking her, don't hold on to me just yet. Not that he wasn't worthy of this act of worship, but it was because he had a job for Mary to do. He assigned her to be the very first eyewitness to go and tell that the Messiah had been resurrected from the grave. And Jesus himself had places to go. He said, I'm going ahead of my disciples into Galilee, and from there I will ascend to the Father. I think that if I somehow had, had access to, to a sound recording of of one word from all of scripture, Jesus speaking the name Mary would be really high on my list. What did that sound like? What was his tone? Whatever it was, that, that word was enough to break through all that Mary was caught up in. It had to be more than the fact that this supposed gardener somehow knew her name. Jesus recognized Mary there, called her by name, and in that name, in that word, she recognized this one. This one who was not only her personal deliverer from a life of demonic torment, but this one who had come to be the deliverer, the restorer of all things, all that was broken. During the season of Lent that we've just come through, we've used this chapel scene to remind us of the brokenness that is within us, that's between us, that's all around us. We've seen how things that, that are neglected, overlooked, can fall into disrepair. And we've seen the beauty of restoration as week after week, our chapel's been brought back to life. We recognize that there are things in our own lives that have suffered from neglect, from oversight, our relationships with ourselves, with God, with other people. And we recognize that when we pay attention to those relationships, it matters. And when we don't, it often costs us something, often costs the people around us something. But when we submit to God, when we yield our lives to him, we find ourselves in the hands of a loving master artist, skilled in the gifts and art of restoration, that he'll be faithful to restore our lives. This morning we see in the chapel that the windows we worked together on a few weeks ago have been replaced. We see a fountain that is flowing with water, reminding us of the gift of new life that Christ gives that bubbles up in us and wells over. You might notice that the walls have actually not been whitewashed and restored to gleaming perfection. And that's not an oversight. Our creative design team left the walls this way to remind us tangibly that this work of restoration that God is doing in us is a work in progress. That work won't come to completion until that day we see face to face our risen savior in heaven and we become like he is. It won't be until Jesus returns in glory that the earth and all of creation is restored to the way it's meant to be. When Mary heard her master and teacher speak her name, she felt something stir inside of her. It's the same stirring that points us to the restored life that is available to each of us because Jesus rose from the grave and still lives today. We see in the Bible that Jesus was actually not the first or only person who came back from the dead, but he was the only one never to die again. He triumphed over death itself, and he leads us out of spiritual deadness through our physical deaths and into spiritual eternal life and into the promise of the resurrection of our own bodies. Mary placed her faith in Jesus that day and found that her faith, her trust was not disappointed. It had seemed on Friday that her hopes had all come crashing down. But that was not the end of the story. As you came into the sanctuary this morning, you passed through an open curtain that reminds us once again of what happened on that good Friday. After Jesus had hung on the cross for hours, We're told that he cried out in a loud voice and he gave up his spirit, willingly. At that moment, the Gospel writers tell us the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This was the tall, thick curtain that in the temple separated the people from the holiest of holy places. That one place where only the high priest was allowed to go into the very presence of God And he was only allowed to go there once a year. The tearing of that curtain represented the access that we now have to come boldly into the presence of God himself because of the work of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain That is his body. This morning, if there's anyone here who has not yet received that gift of grace of God through Jesus Christ, who has not yet taken that step of faith toward Jesus as master, as teacher, as savior, as God himself, I invite you to speak to any of our pastors at any time. We would be delighted to tell you more about how what happened that first Easter morning literally changed everything. And for those of us here this morning who do name Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who seek to live our lives differently because we know God is doing a restoring work in us. He's preparing us for the life he intends us to live. I think we can learn from Mary Magdalene this morning that when we share with other people what God is up to in our lives and we witness about Jesus Christ, It doesn't have to be super complex. John tells us that Mary went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things he had said to her. It was pretty simple I've seen Jesus, I've been with him, I've spent time with him. He's taught me things, he's told me things, he's shown me things. Our words of witness can be as beautifully simple and straightforward as that. Her announcement to the disciples that morning wasn't loaded with theology. It was overflowing with joy. God was faithful to raise Jesus from the dead. He restored Jesus to life that we might live. Jesus alive and having defeated death on our behalf points us to the way leads us into the way that God intends for us to live. As we gather today filled with joy, worshiping our risen Savior, choosing to follow God, may we continue to submit ourselves to his work within us, asking God to restore in us a desire to follow Christ faithfully, to worship him joyfully. Friends, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, Messiah, risen Lord and Savior, we praise you, we worship you, and like Mary, we fall at your feet. Jesus, help us always to recognize you when you are near us, to recognize the sound of your voice calling our name. Help us to turn to you in love, in adoration, in obedience. Jesus, make us quick and eager to share the good news that we have seen you and to share those things that we have learned from you. King Jesus, we praise you today as the one who has triumphed over death itself and who leads us into true, abundant, eternal life. Amen.